Welcome to Private Banking Strategies Podcast with Vance Lowe and Seth Hicks, your secret weapon to protect your assets and never have to start over financially again. Vance and Seth help high net worth individuals, families, business owners, and investors structure an asset-protected, tax-free fortress for their families. Learn how to keep what you earn and use the velocity of money to create your own private banking system. Join us on this journey as we explore the secret strategies of the rich and political elite and help you take total control of your financial security. Now, on to the show. Hello and welcome to Private Banking Strategies with Vance Lowe and Seth Hicks. Vance and Seth, how are you today? Doing We're absolutely wonderful. I'm not. I'm not doing great. Uh-oh. <laughs> <laughs> so here's the thing, is I've been thinking about something that you guys said on the last podcast, and for the listeners that are just joining us, the last podcast leads into this one. We'll, we'll talk about that in a moment, but you guys quoted a congressman or, or somebody, a representative from Texas, and it's been kind of eating at me. And the, the thing, and I'm just going to kind of paraphrase it, I think, is that they said IRAs or Roth IRAs or, or those types of plans are not wealth succession management tools. And here's the thing that's bothering me about that. If it's my Roth IRA or if it's my IRA, can I do with it what I please? How, how can somebody else tell me that that isn't a succession, wealth succession management tool? I want to pass stuff to my children. I we've talked about my grandchildren on this before. You and I, you know, we've we've all talked about our kids and family. If I want to do something with my IRA, who's who is this person to tell me that that's not what it's for? And I know that you guys have kind of uh, talked about why it's not mine necessarily, and and that's what that last show was about. But that's been bothering me ever since you said that. What's well, a great great point. Eric, and I think that's that's the whole point uh, that I wanted to make in bringing up that congressman's quote, is that it, it should slap people in the face. And especially if you've got a 401k or an IRA or a qualified plan. Mm-hmm. And it, because it definitely it, it's a it's an amazing tell at the poker table. He's telling you exactly what we were trying to communicate in the last episode. Congress is coming after your retirement money. And they're they're trying to do it like you mentioned, like a snake eating something from from the back legs forward, so that you don't really know what's going on. Mm-hmm. And and we're trying to ring a bell that causes people to stop and and think. It should shock you. And the fact is, is that yeah, it's it's not your money, as Vance pointed out. It's it's in a government retirement account of which you participate, mm-hmm. and they can change the rules and change the taxation such that you have less and less control, less and less use, and your heirs get less and less or perhaps nothing in the future. Uh, and it wouldn't surprise me if that's where they take it. No. Vance? Okay, guys. Yeah, we're going to – I, I want to change the mood here. <laughs> Please, <laughs> by all means. We're going to talk about the light at the end of the tunnel. Seth uh, has mentioned many times is that, folks, the good news is you don't have to play in that sandbox. You have your own sandbox. And so I want to go back in history, and I want us to understand what made America so strong so fast. In a 100 years – America literally went from nothing to the most powerful nation on this planet through history. And how did they do that? Start 
looking at your history. What's, I think, absolutely uh, critical, and a mentor of mine, uh, Nelson Nash, told me and warned us all so much about how important history is to us and not to let our government change our history to suit their satisfactions and needs. We literally went to war over a, what was it, a two-cent or three-cent tax increase on tea. Remember the Boston Tea mm-hmm, Party? Mm-hmm. Uh, triggered the first fight. A very powerful, powerful nation, England, was completely got their butts kicked by the Americans who were over there because they were very passionate. Americans were known for their independency. They were completely independent. They were a melting pot, welcomed many other people throughout the uh, world to migrate there because it was a blessed land, I I think, and I believe that. uh, It was a more prosperous land than, than any place on the planet. And they became independent. But picture this, folks. These families with kids and everything else would go out into the wilderness hundreds of miles from civilization, and they would live and they would survive. Well, they needed banking back then, okay? And banking wasn't like we know it today back then. The life insurance companies provided the banking equation in the first hundred years of our existence, and people would put their money with the insurance companies, and they would do their own self-financing so that they could put the money back, and the interest that they charged themselves would be credited to them as well. So they had an ever-spiraling increase of money. And this is how the average person did that, along with education. In their schools, they taught themselves, their families, and when little towns started coming up and there was little community schools, they taught how money works. They taught how to stretch a dollar, how to get several uses out of a dollar, Mm -hmm. and became fiercely independent. One of the reasons they taught in schools so that their children would be armed with the same information they had, and they could pass on a legacy or this independent way of life onto their children they could be successful as well, not only survive in the wilderness, but accomplish the things they wanted to do because there was no government control. There was no outside interference. They wanted to have that independence. That's why they went out in the wilderness. That mm-hmm. one, That's why they created all the land that they did or bought the land so that they could have their own world, their own life. Yeah. Let's talk about how we do that, maybe how, how it was lost or how we set that up. Seth, we got kind of an outline here, so let's get into it. Sure. Well, we're focusing on the, the seventh pillar of private banking strategies, legacy value and creating generational wealth that transfers tax-free to your heirs. And, and just like Vance was illustrating in a pioneering frontier of American society, that was one of the fundamental motivations for creating generational wealth was was keeping it in the family and maintaining what you had. The wealth stored up in a family banking system and a private banking strategy and the death benefits paid on the life insurance policies inside that family bank, they're transferred tax-free to the heirs, Eric. Unlike a qualified government plan, 
There's no government intrusion, and there's there's a completely financially private transaction. Now, I'm going to tell you a couple stories about how not to do it, okay? Okay. Everybody should know of a, the artist formerly known as Prince. He was a, a music artist, mm-hmm. and he died within the last four or five years, and his estate was worth just over $200 million, and he had no private banking strategy. He really didn't even have a proper plan for any type of generational wealth transfer. Mm-hmm. He lost over $100 million in the transfer to his heirs. So of a $200 million estate, more than half was lost in taxation to the federal government and to the state of Minnesota. Think of that. If you've worked your entire life and whatever you've amassed, having it cut in half for your children and those whom you love, it it should slap you in the face just like the senator or rather the congressman's comments about IRAs are not well, succession tools. Yeah, of course they are. They should be. And that's mm-hmm. what people think they are. And that's why it shocks the conscious. There's another person that most people uh, consider a financial advisor, whom uh, I say that with tongue in cheek, named Susie Orman. She's really more of a, a marketing person than uh, a financial uh, genius, although she's given credit for that. Well, she's reported in a New York Times article where an interviewer is asking her questions about wealth succession and wealth transfer, and she's fearful about her what she anticipates a $60 million estate being cut in half for her heirs, mm-hmm. and she doesn't know what to do. She's puzzled because she doesn't want $30 million or $40 million of the wealth that she's accumulated falling into government hands that are uh, notorious for pork belly spending and it going to waste. She wants it to be kept in her family, and rightfully so, just like pioneering Americans, just like mm-hmm. you do, Eric, and just like I do, just like Vance does. Well, the solution is quite simple, actually, and it's creating a private banking strategy and a system whereby you don't have to play in their sandbox. You can create a multi-generational wealth succession plan without any government intrusion, tax-free, that's under your complete control and financially private. That is what we're focusing on today. Legacy value for multi-generational wealth. Yeah, and so, I, I, I want to I say one thing real quick because a lot of what you guys talk about is is trying to take the control out of the government's hands and put it back into your hands. And, and, and that rings so true with, I mean, it should ring true for everybody listening to this podcast, but with you talked about Prince. One thing that a lot of people don't know is that he had a vault with a lot of his music in it that he's never released. He was constantly creating music. The man was a genius when it came to music, quite honestly. Uh, he had his entire house wired with microphones and, and was constantly recording something all the time. So he has this vault, and the government is now going to try. <laughs> this is what kicks me. They're the ones trying to figure out what the value of that is so they can tax that. It's unreleased music. It's unreleased a lot of things. But now they even still want to dip into that. So when you say that he lost over $100 million or his heirs lost over $100 million, it's even beyond that because they haven't been able to come up with a value of what that kind of thing is worth. That's the kind of control that the government really wants. They want to be able to say how much something is worth so they can tax it to their heart's delight and content they get their their dollar and it, and it they may 
not have the right numbers, but the numbers that they come up with are in their favor, in my opinion, and not ours. I don't want that to happen to my kids. I don't want that to happen to my grandkids. So I, I love that we're talking about this today. I didn't want to, I don't mean to interrupt, but I just, that's the kind of control that the government thinks that they have. And I, I'd like to take that away now. Well said. And it, it illustrates the point of the government being uh, on the grab and on the offensive. And it's not a government of the people, by the people, for the people. It's, we're on two opposite sides of the ball. Mm-hmm. And and they're attempting to take. Vance, I'll let you jump in. Yeah. So the answer to that question right there, and for our listeners, is it needs to be well constructed life insurance contracts who have identified beneficiaries and ownership of those policies in such a way that there's no excuse, there's no interpretation. And there's absolutely no government control. By the way, people probably should understand that a life insurance contract is a will in and of itself, and it completely bypasses probate in every state, as far as I know today. My, you know, I may possibly be wrong, but I don't think so. That beneficiary, that will go to that person or that entity outside probate every single time because that's how all states and our government treat life insurance in general. So I thought I'd just share that with you. That's important to understand because Mm -hmm. for legacy, you've got to be able to depend on something. And here's one more great light, I would say. Whenever there's changes in government, if government wants to come after something, they certainly can. But the rule of thumb is it's always grandfathered with life insurance contracts and entities because deals have already been struck and certain things and assets have been committed in certain areas that they can't disrupt them. Normally, life insurance changes from time to time. Costs can go up, costs can go down. Different qualifications can change, but it doesn't affect anything prior to the date they set for the changes. Okay. So let's walk me through a couple examples uh, of how this could work. Maybe some, whether it's client examples or just examples of of what this strategy can do, and and especially where it comes to this pillar. Okay, Seth. I think Seth has prepared an outline here of a family. Let's just take it right from the top. This, This father is putting money into a contract. So let's walk that through, Seth. And I think this should be able to to answer Eric's questions and and for the people as well. Sure. We'll give it a a high level and then we may put some numbers to it to give it more Mm -hmm. context. Let's say a father and a mother develop a private banking strategy, Eric, whereby they have insurance policies, whole life insurance policies on each of their lives. And that is the, the foundation for the family banking wealth succession. Uh, plan. And now on these policies, there's a high cash value whereby the father and mother can use the cash value in those policies for investment, real estate acquisition, for vacation, or for retirement, for anything that they, they want to and need to. And it's there basically with a simple uh, push of a button and you can have it wired in. It's that simple. It's very accessible. They control it. 
Tell them how safe it is compared to banks. And, well, go ahead. You tell them. Yeah, see, in a life insurance policy, they it escapes the Dodd-Frank Act because the life insurance companies themselves are grandfathered because they were in existence before the IRS. Okay? Sounds like I had some music playing here. Sorry about that. It's important to know that the cash reserves in a life insurance policy with life insurance companies is the safest place on the planet to store money until you want to put it to work or you want to use it. Okay, great. Keep going. So the father and the mother have access to the cash value, and they can they can use it. They that is the corpus of their uh, family bank. That's the start of the family bank. Now they're hopefully teaching their children how to bank, what the family bank is, where they have money stored, where they borrow money from, mm-hmm. so that they can understand and operate in uh, the family bank when the time comes, when they're, I like to call it a, the black belt succession. So they're teaching their kids and they're promoting them as, as time goes. Right now, Eric, I, I have my kids learning about private banking and learning how money is stored in our family bank. And when they want something that, that they, they think they need, how, how that transaction looks. Dad doesn't just give them money. They have to borrow it from uh, their own bank. And they've already accumulated their own money that they've earned in hmm. various capacities. They've got uh, a chicken egg business. They've got a jewelry business. They've got a nice. golf ball reclamation business. <laughs> and all of those things provide streams of cash flow into their, into their bank. And they uh, see a bright, new, shiny bike that they want to get, and they have to borrow that money from the bank, and they have to create a a promissory note and promise to pay it back. So the next golf ball that they sell is going to be, the proceeds are going to be used to pay back the note into their own uh, bank. So they're always getting the money back. And they're charging themselves interest, which is uh, tax-free and grows and compounds year after year without any government intrusion. Now, when the children have a black belt, and let's say they're 25, 30, 35 in private banking, and they can actually uh, have the ability and the wisdom to take over as a, as a trusted steward for literally hundreds of thousands, if not perhaps millions, depending on how much the contributions are, then they take over the cash value of a policy that's on their life. Okay, father and mother have taken out policies on their own lives, and they've taken out policies on their children's lives. And when the children are of appropriate age, the children then become the stewards of each of their own policy or policies depending on how many contracts they have in place, and they begin to use and operate in their family bank, their own cash value, their own investment, their own uh, needs, and they learn how to use that structure. And, and here's why. is because there's going to be a death benefit that's paid when the father or the mother come into passing, whereby that death benefit is paid to the to the beneficiaries and the heirs. That's the children. And it's not going to be taxed. It's not going to be disclosed. And, it, and a lot of times it's multiple millions of dollars. So these children need to have been schooled as they're learning this to take that black belt, so to speak, in private banking. 
And then that's that money that's dumped into their the private bank and is disposable for their for their use and redeployment into their own family banking succession. Also, what it does, Seth, it funds the next round of policies eventually on the kids' kids. It, it goes into the accounts and it purchases additional policies downline on the family. So this is why it's multi-generational. The funds are already there to perpetuate it. And there's mm. there's not even a skip, a heartbeat. It actually is is funded higher and higher and higher. This is a perpetual increasing money pile. Oh, I'm sorry to interrupt. I just wanted to, to share that just for those death benefits that come in tax-free. Government, it's not even reported to the government, by the way. These are private things, and those checks come in. The government uh, monitors money that's going in checking accounts. They'll see that a death benefit was paid into an account, but they don't get it. All right. I'm going to jump in real quick, guys. I want to take a quick break. I know we're getting close to the end of the podcast anyway, but I want the listener to have some information where they can get a hold of people, where they can get some resources that you guys have, and, and they're going to learn more about it right now. Do you see yourself in that story? Do you feel like you are generating a lot of revenue but are not moving forward as fast as you would like? Are you ready for help? Please call Private Banking Strategies at 817-200-4777 or visit us at www.privatebankingstrategies.com. All right, we are back, and uh, I'm actually going to ask Vance, I'm going to ask you. Can you give us a little bit more of a, of a clear example? Give us some kind of the hard numbers of, of how this scenario works in this generational planning. All right. This is what we do every day. And there's just, there's, Eric, there's just not enough time. So I'm going to do a, a specific scenario. Okay. I'm really going to talk about what I did for me, my kids, and my grandkids. So right. the rule of, of succession is... As adults, we get to a point where we start having, hopefully, excess money, and we put them into a life insurance contract. So in this case, we're putting $15,000 into our children's policies because we can qualify to do that. The qualifications is a, a different topic, but just assume our kids, can, we can qualify to put that much in at their ages. We start that process and we start funding that. Now, in my case, I had 10 grandkids. So I started policies on all my grandkids. Also, anywhere from $2,500 up to the $15,000, depending on their ages and their qualifications. Every year, when I had, and I had, just like everybody else, qualified assets from 401ks, IRAs, and Ross, you want to move money out either systematically or you tear the whole thing out, you pay the taxes, and you immediately uh, buy as many of these contracts on kids and grandkids as you possibly can. But once we put in $15,000, let's just take a single one now, into one child's account, you are the owner. And you are the beneficiary, not that child. That child has no control over that account. Same way with the grandkids. The parents are not owners of those policies. I am. Mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. And for me, the ownership will go into a trust. The trust will be the owner of all of these contracts. This is how we make it perpetual. Okay. That the trust receives the death benefit. The trust then applies for additional insurance on the younger generations to whatever extent they can. But this $15,000 premium gets paid every year for an amount of time. And we start teaching that child, here is an account. We're going to do college. We're going to do your first cars. We're going to do this. We're going to do that. However, this child needs to be taught because you're going to carry on the the banking legacy. Instead of a her- inheritance in my situation, I told them they were disinherited and that got their attention. <laughs> so, <laughs> so here's how you access money. By using the account, you earn um, equity into the bank. Would you like your earnings to be high or low? Because hmm. I tried it another way and everybody asked, well, what interest rate are you going to charge? And I tell them what we've got to have. And they go, oh, no, I can get it here. Well, that's a game you have to play. If you put it into earnings, how much equity earnings would you like in the bank? Then hmm. they're going to say hi. I said, well, that's the interest that, that we charge then. That's your equity in the bank. And the more one person uses, the more equity he can have over another when profits can be taken out of the family bank. So hmm. this individual learns that learns that he has to pay it back or she has to pay it back uh, with interest. And then the lights come on. All my money's back. All the money I've paid for this car now is back in the account, plus the interest, plus the interest in the life insurance contract. Folks, Mm. here's a way. We've talked about this before. You get uninterrupted interest. So I hope, you know, that specifically, that's how we do this. This is how we move money from qualified accounts. And then it's just math, Eric. Yeah. This is how long it takes you to make the tax money back that they, they took from you. This is the penalty money that you get back that they took from you. Here, let's do the math right here in, in, in our plan. And we have the ways we set this up for our clients so that they can actually see where they're at, where they're going, and what they want to do next. All right. Well, like you said, we're, we're short on time. That was a great way to end this podcast. I think that gives a lot of people food for thought. And I'm going to ask you one more time for some contact information, because if they heard that last, just that last little bit, Vance, that you just shared there, I think that was a huge attention grabber, right? Because that gave another sneak peek into what it could look like. And like you've said before, and and Seth, you've said before, it's individualized. Everybody's situation is different. Eric, I I call that the goosebump factor. There you go. The reason that gets me... (laughs) back on the table to help people is because when the lights come on it gives me goosebumps they win and we all win this is why it's so critical yep absolutely all right so where can people go to get information i know we did the little mid-roll but i want to do one more time at the end of this podcast where should people go to get some resources the best place to start is at our website and that's privatebankingstrategies.com www.privatebankingstrategies.com and put in your contact information. In return for your contact information, you're going to get a book, which we like to call a red pill book. And it's going to highlight issues like we're describing on this podcast, on the prior podcast, that will enlighten the audience's mind to see how banks are are not your friend Mm -hmm. and how there are alternatives that you can 
that you can benefit from greatly. Perfect. So the re the Red Pill book is the first step to read that. You can get it in the audio version if you're on the go, or you can read it either way. And also when you put in your contact information, you're going to start to get emails that are educational in nature that are going to also spot red pill issues that are going to drill down on some of these, these topics. I had a, a client just say to me two weeks ago, I heard some of your content on a podcast regarding 401k and retirement strategy. But until I got a few emails on it, it didn't click for me. Mm -hmm, the light bulb mm -hmm. came on. So sometimes Eric, people will hear a podcast. They may hear this podcast and it may generate five more questions Absolutely. Uh, at, in addition to what they want to know. And so those emails are really helpful at explaining things again and helping people get another touch with us and getting more on the content. So those emails and the book, and if you've gone through those things and these, these principles, these concepts are resonating that Vance and I and things we're discussing are resonating with you then you can discover further how it would apply to you and your personal situation by getting on an exploratory call with Vance yeah. and going through that process. And that all starts on the website by putting in your contact information and going through that process I just described. Absolutely. All right, wait just a second. Audience, I'm actually interrupting myself, which is really weird. But after we got done recording this podcast, Vance, Seth, and I were talking about it, and we we're talking about how they can help the audience visualize what they're talking about. And they are creating a Loom video that will be linked in the show notes to this podcast. So look at the show notes. There's a link there that will take you directly to a Loom video so you can actually see the numbers and, and look at the example that, that Vance was talking about, an example, so that they can walk through the numbers and see and show you how it works. I mean, that's the important part. They want you to know how it works. We wanted to insert this little bit of audio into the podcast before I close out the show to let you know that there is that Loom video. Don't miss it. Vance and Seth, as we wrap this up, I just want to thank you again uh, for providing that uh, content and also your contact information for the listening audience, because I, I, I agree 100%. There's for every one, one story you told, I'm sure five questions came up so they can go and get more answers. Thank you for your time today. And of course, our last thank you is always for you, the listening audience. Thank you so much for tuning in and listening to the Private Banking Strategies podcast with Vance Lowe and Seth Hicks. If you have not subscribed to the podcast yet, please click the subscribe now button below. This way, when Vance and Seth come out with a new podcast, it'll show up directly on your listening device. This makes it really easy to share these podcasts with your friends and family. Again, thanks for listening today. For everyone at Private Banking Strategies, this is Eric Johnson reminding you to live your best day every day, and we'll see you next time. Did that story feel like it was about you? Do you feel you should be making more progress toward your financial goals? Do you feel stuck? Let us help you get unstuck. Are you ready to take action and get your own private bank? Please call Private Banking Strategies at 817-200-4777 or visit us at www.privatebankingstrategies.com. Thank you for listening to the Private Banking Strategies podcast. Click the subscribe button below to be notified when new episodes become available. The information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of the guest and does not necessarily represent the views or opinions of private banking strategies. The content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only. The content is not intended to be a substitute for professional investing advice. Always seek the advice of your financial advisor or other qualified financial service provider with any questions you may have regarding your investment planning.